This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 125 of Small Talk. Your host, Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman are here with you. Cerutes, what's good, my man? How are you? Not too much. Uh, a lot of binging Netflix shows recently for your boy. I actually got it went into a deep dive into this thing called Surviving Death on Netflix, which I told you about immediately. I think Maddie told you about it as well. It's basically about the afterlife. And now my mind is completely blown. It talks about reincarnation. I don't even know what I believe anymore. So I highly recommend it. I want you to watch it so we can talk about it in the future. But it's kind of just been, a, I don't know, Netflix and chill kind of kind of week. I don't know, just hanging out on the couch, watching some soccer, watching some Netflix. I also have been watching some TV lately, Steve. I consumed both episodes of the HBO documentary on Tiger Woods. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Um, It was very well done. It was about the rise and fall of Tiger. Some of the stuff we already knew, but there were some details about his childhood and his dad and his parents that I found very intriguing. So I'm going to need you to watch that because I would love to break that down with you. Yeah, I remember after the MJ doc came out, everyone was like, okay, could anything possibly get to that level? And it seemed like everyone sort of agreed that a Tiger doc would be that story. So I'm excited. I haven't seen it. I would say growing up, Tiger was the most influential athlete on me personally. We were in the Goldilocks zone of when Tiger in like 99 became a thing. That's when I really started to get into sports and start loving sports. My grandfather was a big golf guy. I worked at a golf course and he was the one that put a golf club in my hand when I was probably seven. So I'm all about that, but I haven't seen it yet. And there's only two episodes. I thought there was more for some reason. So two episodes, boom, done. I'll get that. I'll get that out of the way this weekend. I think the fact that it was only two episodes is a detriment to the product because I think they could have gone way deeper on a lot of the tentacles of the tiger story. (laughs) And it feels like they left a lot on the table. Yeah. I mean, you could do two hours alone just on the night with the golf club and the car. I mean, there's so much to dig into there and you're not even getting into his golf career whatsoever. Right. How much of it, you know, without giving too much away, how much of it was, cause I think the interesting part is, you know, him being a sex addict and kind of his downfall more than it is him as an athlete. Cause I think we know a lot of, we know Tiger as an athlete. We saw him grow up in front of our eyes. He had a golf club in his hand at age two on what was that? The, I forgot what the show was, but it was one of those old school talk shows. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Yeah. So we, we know that guy and I don't know. And we know some of the details about the divorce and his sex addiction. That to me is the interesting stuff. So I would, I kind of want there to be two hours on that alone. So each episode, I think was roughly an hour and a half. And most of the second episode dives into that, to the fall of Tiger and how it all happened and how it came to light, all the dark deeds to light. Um, There's some interesting stuff about he and Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley partying in Vegas together. Of course. But even that, it was just maybe 10 minutes of them talking about that. And I'm like, I need a full episode on Tiger, MJ, and Chuck rabble-rousing in Vegas. We need more info on this. Think about, can you get a bigger athlete star trio than those three partying in Vegas? Remember the MJ doc, you know, obviously the the Rodman going to Vegas for, for a long weekend and then coming back and playing, but... The three of those dudes, knowing what we, how much their star power, how much money they had. A documentary on a trip to Vegas with those guys alone would be fascinating. I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that you would throw in that group to make I it somehow one. better. Tom Brady. Brady's not really a partier, though. I feel like he'd be... And I, I'm not, This isn't an anti-Brady thing, because I actually love Brady. Tiger. Well, come on. <laughs> Tiger was At definitely t- a partier. No, no, no. But they talk about it. At the time, he was not. He was a geek, they said, and he didn't really know what he was doing. He was very uncomfortable. And I'm just thinking about those guys from a star power standard. No one Mm -hmm. is bigger than Tiger or Michael Jordan or Tom Brady. If you throw Tom Brady in that mix, oh, my God. Or maybe A-Rod or Derek Jeter get some baseball in there, too. A-Rod, oh, man. Well, what Jeter, NHL player could you throw in there? Jeter, there would there would be no documentation of that whatsoever if we know yeah. anything about his past. And he's a smart man because, as we know, as soon as you go into his house, you got to put your, your cell phone right in a container and that thing goes away and no one can post anything on any sort of social media thing, which is actually brilliant. But like, you're right, as a, a trio or if you're adding Brady as four guys, that's pretty fun. But Brady's solo in Vegas, again, I'm not an anti-Brady guy. I love him. I think he's, an, I mean, I like him as an athlete, but he kind of seems like a boring dude to go out with. I don't think he'd be at the top mm-hmm. of that list. I'm going to push back on that. Really? You remember the stories about him chugging beer, how he can chug beer faster than anyone. He's actually legendary in that aspect. And I think if maybe his playing career was over and he could really let it fly, he could let it loose. He might be a great time. Yeah. But Brady, when's the last time Brady chugged a beer? I would love to ask him that question. (laughs) I mean, was it 2004? I don't know. (laughs) No, they said it was sometime. I think maybe at the Kentucky Derby. 
Oh, that's right. Okay. When he goes with Edelman and all of his bro dudes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Then he immediately has like a, a 360 day purge after that. He, he eats his <laughs> avocado ice cream. He doesn't eat a carb for months, which I, again, no way to live for me, but Hey, do your thing. He's playing. There's a reason he's playing when he's 43 years old. Okay. Speaking of athletes, we haven't done nearly enough sports talk on this podcast recently. So we are going to be joined later in the pod by friend of the show, friend in life, Joe Flam. You may know him from Bravo, Top Chef's season 15 winner. But more importantly, he's a diehard Chicago Bears fan. And with all of this mess in Houston about Deshaun Watson and about him wanting to force his way out, there are fan bases across the NFL salivating over the idea of acquiring Deshaun Watson and perhaps none more than Chicago, the place that passed on him and the place who hasn't really figured out the quarterback position in quite some time. So we're going to check in with Joe and find out about the mental state of Chicago Bears fans right now. But before we do that, Saroots, a lot happening in the NBA. So let's talk some hoops with Saroots. The floor is yours. It's been a while. I know. I kind of feel like I got to scratch this itch. I've had a lot of thoughts in my head. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of drafts on my Twitter feed that I haven't actually sent out because I don't I just try not to go on. I don't know. You, we, we talked about this. We're not, you know, Twitter it's not a great place to be right now. So we try to keep those to ourselves, but I feel like I, I got to get some stuff out about this James Harden trade. Right. And, and I, I want to hear what you think about it too, but let me just go on a little quick rant here. And what do we call this again? Is this uh, hoops with Saroots? Is that what the deal is? Hoops with roots. I want to call it talking hoops with Saroots. Talking hoops with Saroots. We'll get our old boys guy. ESPN <laughs> to do it. Talking hoops with Saroots. Uh, all right. With and then Saroots. some bells and wills. Here's okay. So here's what I want to say. I want to talk about James Harden, the trade and why we don't learn from history. Right. I'm not a huge James Harden fan. I think if you've probably followed me on Twitter or listened to me with Rosillo, like you probably know that. I sort of feel like not taking away from him, you know, his, him as a, as a great player. I think he's obviously a great player, but I think there's probably a handful of guys in the league that if they were allowed to do what James Harden did in Houston, which was dominate the ball, usage right through the roof, uh, shoot a million threes, play next to no defense. I think there's probably like a dozen or so guys that could put up similar stat lines to what James Harden did because the Daryl Morey thing and with Mike D'Antoni, I just, you could replicate that. Imagine, I think Dame Lillard could do that. I don't know if people consider him a superstar, but I think Dame Lillard would be able to put up the numbers that James Harden did. So I'll say that as a caveat, but I do want to talk about the trade itself. I didn't think a team could possibly fuck itself more long-term than the Nets did with that Celtics trade a couple of years ago. And they got Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce at age like 105 each respectively. But my goodness, the Nets, they went and they went and they outdid themselves, right? They end up giving up more than they did in that original trade. They gave up three first round picks. They gave up four pick swaps to get James Harden. And they won't have control, Michelle, of their first round pick until 2028. So the better part of this decade they will not have control of their first round pick, which really in the NBA is key to building your team. I mean, there's not a lot of second round picks that end up making it in the league. And, you know, before, you know, obviously they've gotten a lot of free agents in Brooklyn now, but I don't know if that's something that they can sustain long-term. And here's what's wild. They put together what might be the three biggest and most volatile wildcard personalities in the entire league in Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden. There is zero chance that this thing lasts more than two years. Not only because they're probably going to get sick of each other in that time. If you look at, you know, if you, if you look back at history, but also because they're only under control under contract with the nets until 2022. So I get the win now thing, Michelle. And I, I'm not even saying I probably would have made the trade because, and in the NBA, you get the star and you worry about the fit later, right? Those are three players who are probably top 10 talents in the entire league. I mean, with Harden and Katie specifically, probably like top, maybe even higher that to maybe top five. But I can't believe this thing could eventually be a massive disaster on the back end. Because say in 2022, they decide they leave and they don't want to be with each other. They don't want to play with each other. And you didn't win a title, Michelle. You are absolutely screwed for the better part of at least the next five years, probably the next 10 years. So we could possibly be talking about Brooklyn being the Chernobyl of the NBA for the next decade. So no pressure on you, Brooklyn, but you've got to win a title in the next two years. Yeah, no pressure that you have to lean on the fact that, as you mentioned, Steve, they have the three biggest wild cards in the league. Are those three personalities, you think, the three biggest wild cards in sports? Not even just in the NBA, because I was trying to think about personalities that you could even put on the same level as those guys in the NFL. And it was hard for me to come up with three that are in the same realm. Star power and volatile personalities. I mean, Kyrie Irving is the Michael Jordan of volatile personalities in sports. 
I don't think that's ridiculous to say. The guy, I mean, it legitimately depends on which way the wind is blowing, and that's how he feels today. I mean, he said he wanted his, his name and his jersey and the rappers in Boston, and then very shortly after that, he's doing commercials of his, you know, with his dad and talking about how much he loves Boston. And then, you know, a couple months later, it's, he's, he's ghosting the media. He doesn't want to talk to his teammates. And then he's out of Boston and going to Brooklyn to team up with his other friend. He also did that leaving Cleveland, leaving LeBron after winning a title. I actually understood that a little bit at the time, trying to get out of LeBron's shadow. But here's the thing with Kyrie now. He's now in KD's shadow. And then he, now he's probably also in James Harden's shadow. Two players that are probably on the pecking order better than he is. So I can't imagine he's super pumped about that. So is it going to get, are things going to get better? I can't see Kyrie just being like, oh, I'm totally cool with this. I'm totally cool with being the third wheel in this relationship. No freaking way. I mean, I'm sure there are bigger, more volatile personalities that are a lesser degree of player. Like Kyrie's a, a very well-known player. So I think when you combine star power with how volatile he is, Kyrie is, is number one by far. KD is totally different though. KD, absolute superstar, probably top two, maybe one on his day player in the NBA when he's actually healthy. But again, the moodiness. And I just don't ever feel like KD, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I just feel like reading through the tea leaves, he just doesn't seem like a guy that's really happy. He just wants to play basketball, but doesn't want to deal with all the other stuff that comes along with basketball, like the gossip and people telling him that his titles aren't legitimate in Golden State, which by the way, they might not be. But Sometimes I look at Kevin Durant, I feel bad for him. And James Harden, on the other, other hand, is a guy who has exclusively operated in a zone of it's all about you and you're going to take as many shots and do whatever you want for about five years. So for him to now go into a team concept and try to actually not dominate the ball on a night and night out basis, I'm fascinated to see how this thing works, both on the court and off the court. I have my doubts. I don't think they're going to win a title. But from a, a neutral standpoint, Michelle, the Nets are must-see TV. They are. It's going to be reality TV, but the NBA always is reality TV. This is where I go back and I go, and I've said, I think I tweeted this out once before. The NBA needs a real world type reality show. Could you imagine oh, a real world version of that. inside the Nets locker room? I mean, they would never do this because it would expose a lot of bullshit that they probably don't want to expose, but it's like an episode of real world. You put volatile people in the same locker room and then let's see what happens, right? What was always the quote from real world, oh, like the mantra? When people... I know it when people stop being polite and start getting real. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what the Nets are doing currently. And again, as I said, this could end up being the Chernobyl of the NBA in the next decade. I personally can't wait for it. That was a great first edition of Talking Hoops with some roots. I feel like it was a little long, but I'm sorry. I, I got really excited. I, these pent up takes are, are in me here and I'm trying to get them out. But I'm not, I don't I root it. against any of these guys, but I cannot see this thing working out well. I can't. Can I give you a pent up take of my own? Fire away. Now that we're just getting stuff <laughs> off our chests, let's do it. Actually, your energy there inspired me because I have been sitting on a take for a while. Now, I follow sports and I understand everything you're talking about. You probably have no idea what I'm about to talk about, so I'm going to make it quick. It's going to be okay. a bravo, the Bravo Minute with Smallman. But you, you talked about drama. You talked about volatility. You talked about reality TV, and it reminded me of something that has been bugging me lately. So, Steve, you know that I'm a Real Housewives devotee. I love me some Real Housewives. I love the drama of it. I love the ridiculousness of it. It takes me so far away from my real life and allows me to mentally check out and also invest in something really dumb. So it's, it's a luxury for me in that regard. And there's all different cities where the housewives exist. Some are better than others. OC, way down the tank. Way, way, Why is way that? It's just not compelling anymore. The, the castmates in my opinion, have gone stale. I mean, part of the housewife, Steve, is that they're supposed to have money. It's supposed to be aspirational. It's supposed to be so far outside the realm of what you could do in your life that you want to watch. You're intrigued because you want to watch it for the house and the cars and all these stupid things that they do because they have money. When you have a woman on there who is getting divorced and living in a casita and she has sequined pillows and she has a bad extensions. I mean, no offense, Gina, but that's not really compelling television for me. Get it together, Gina. What are we doing? Come on. She's picked it up this season a little bit. She's a nice person, but that's kind of the problem is that she's too normal and nice for me. I need crazy people to be on the Housewives, which brings me, Steve, to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Brand new franchise this year. There's a lot of stuff going on in Salt Lake City that is ripe for drama. Really quick. If I was to pick the, the city least likely to have a Real Housewives, it would probably be Salt Lake City. Who are the no, Real Housewives of Salt Lake no. City? So you've got a lot of money there. You've got a lot of people with a lot of beliefs. And you have a lot of competition because they are all going through this pursuit of perfection. And none of them are perfect. So there's drama. There's drama. Okay. But there's a woman on the show that I can 
not stand. And you know, I do not like to call out other women. This is not, this is so far outside my comfort zone, but it must be said, just like you were talking about the volatile personalities and things that might not work out. This must be said because Mary Cosby is the Kyrie Irving of the Real Housewives franchises. That, yeah, you heard it here first. Mary Cosby is the Kyrie Irving of the Real Housewives. So she shows up on the show. We're trying to get to know her. The first thing we learn about her, Steve, is that she is married, wait for it, buckle up, to her step-grandfather. She's married, you heard me correctly, to her step-grandfather. So her grandmother was the first lady of a church and she was at the head of this congregation. And obviously with that came status, money, properties, and all of the things that go with it. And when she passed away, she put it in her will that her granddaughter was supposed to marry her husband, which was this girl's step-grandfather, so that she could assume this role as the head of the church and get all the money. Wait, so it was like an arranged marriage of sorts? Correct, through her grandmother's will. Imagine if your grandmother was like, you're going to marry my husband. I would be like, you're dead. The answer's no. That is incredibly (laughs) fucked up, incredibly weird, but probably great fodder and a great starting place for a reality TV show. Yes, except... She is a terrible person. She, Shocker. I, can, I cannot stand. Normally the drama has some sort of intrigue for me. These women are ridiculous. This woman has taken it so far beyond ridiculous. She is at the head of this church, Steve, and she's a blatant liar. She married her step-grandpa and she's preaching all of this stuff. And then when it cuts to her real life, all she does is talk about all the possessions that she has. She has homes that are filled with her designer clothes. All she does is talk about the fact that she's wearing Balmain and Louboutins and look at the Chanel bag and all this stuff. And where is that money coming from, Steve? Probably from these people from the church. Yeah. And I need the FBI and the IRS to do some investigations because few things in life incense me more than people that use religion as a way to gain monetary success. And that really bothers me. And I just feel like she's a fraud and I feel like she's annoying. And I just cannot believe she's on the show. I want to write a personal letter to Andy Cohen to get her off the show. I cannot stand her. And I don't even think it's good, compelling television. It just makes me angry. Look, I'm getting red. I'm so upset about this it. Is, I haven't seen you upset about something like this in a while. Have, you ever, seen, have you ever seen the Righteous Gemstones HBO show, Danny McBride? No, uh, no but uh, I like Danny McBride. John Goodman. It's literally about that family. It's about a religious family. I think they're from the South, but how, they just have a ton of money because they started this preach and, this, and they have multiple churches and this is what they do. And all the family members are preachers now. And it's this power struggle for, you know, who does what. And it sounds exactly like what you're talking about, but it was a parody show. And that was funny about it. This is that in real life. Here's yeah. what I'm going to push back on you. Maybe I'm a dick. Maybe I'm an asshole. And if, it, if I am, call me out right now. But I don't really feel bad for people that get duped like that. I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. I got bigger and better things to worry about. You don't feel bad for elderly people that know that their clock is ticking and they're trying to get a ticket to heaven so that they can be with the Lord. That's not my some, fault. That's, and if that's not telling them that the way to do it is to put a little in the donation. Because also they're probably thinking if I'm giving money to the church, it's going towards helping others. There's all sorts of scripture that I'm sure is being quoted to them about how possessions don't matter. Earthly possessions don't matter. The only possessions that matter are in your soul. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I can recite them all. We know these things, but I don't want to get into that. She, by the way, I Googled it. She says that she has other things like restaurants and salons that generate all this money, Mm -hmm. but still all she talks about is material things and how much she has and her homes. And she has a maid named Charlinda who she's so rude to justice for Charlinda. Unacceptable unacceptable she deserves better i I just people that are rude to people that are rude to servers or people that help you i don't know if anything pisses me off more than that like if you're rude to a waiter who's making minimum wage you know all right so we screwed up your salad order it's not that big of a deal settle down right settle down but then i also think okay am i being too judgmental because here's a Because here's a woman who was really young. I think she was like 20 or something. I need to look this up when she got thrust into this position. And so this is probably a product of her environment type deal. She only knew knew this life. I don't know, but it just really bothers me. Rant over. This again, went way longer than I anticipated it to, but I just, 
I am so over her. I know she's going to come back next season because it's a juicy storyline. And I am like, I need the receipts. We need the receipts of where this money is coming from because if she's robbing the church, she needs to be exposed. This is why I'll circle back and I say, I just, I got bigger things to worry about than that. If you're giving a bunch of money (laughs) to some church and you're not interested in where that, and they're driving Hummers and why would anybody drive a Hummer? That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. G-Wagon, if you're driving like Maserati, (laughs) if you're rocking Laboutins, um, which by the way, I- I, What? Oh wait, no, I screwed that up. I used to, so actually that's a funny side story. I used to think Louboutins was pronounced Laboutins. (laughs) True true story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a true, and I just screwed it up there. But anyway, if you're, if you're, if you're rocking all this materialistic stuff and you're still giving to them and not asking questions, I'm sorry. That's on you. That's on you. Right. But I don't know if she wears robes to church. So I don't know. If yeah. But you I could would... Google her, Michelle, and see what, that she's wearing high end stuff. Come on. You yeah. saw what car she drove in, unless she's driving like a 95 Accord to try to be undercover or something, which I highly doubt is happening. This to me is on the person giving. You had to have more awareness than that. Your awareness rating needs to be up. It's below 50. Get it up to it in in like the mid 80s. But how many people really see the car that their pastor rolled up in? Not many. They usually park behind the chapel, Steve. They're down in the rectory. Uh, I don't know. Again, I got bigger things to worry about. And here's the thing that you said at the end of why she's probably going to be on next season and why she sells is there are probably a ton of people that feel the way that you feel. And that's why they're watching the show. So we've been duped. They dupe us. They dupe us into doing these things. At least the NBA there's some uncertainty about how this thing could end. We just know how this, how the Real Housewives show is going to end. It's going to end with her probably getting more money and being, becoming more famous and doing whatever the hell she wants. Do you think you would be good on a reality show? Because I look at someone like her who probably wants the fame. She wants the attention. She wants the money that comes with it. But are you really ready for the ramifications that come with you exposing your life on television? I'm not controversial enough I'm not materialistic enough. I'm not confrontational enough. I'm too passive, I think, to be a reality star. You know, people might like me, but I'm not the reason that they tune in. I'm like Steven on the hills, right? He just kind of comes in every couple episodes. Everybody likes him, but he can't drive his own show. That's kind of how I feel like if I was to be in a reality situation. I think you would be... Okay, so let's reference the Real Housewives again. If we're doing the Real Housewives of Connecticut and Maddie's a housewife. (laughs) Good times. The house husbands are sometimes the biggest stars. And I think you could come in and be an awesome house husband because all you do is comment on the women's bullshit and their drama. And you would tell it like it is. You're a straight shooter. And I think you'd be really funny. I think you'd actually be a very, very popular house husband. Now that you say that, I would be the Jay Cutler of Kristen Cavallari's show, a very Cavallari. I'd be, you know, Jay became a star. But again, I don't know if Jay drives his own show, but he is a side character that people love to see because he's snarky. He doesn't give a shit. He tells it like it is. He clearly has zero fucks to give. I would thrive in that role. Not as a main cast member, as a secondary character that everyone is just, a, it's almost like a sitcom when everyone applauds and gets pumped up when some guy comes on every couple of episodes. That would be me. I'd be the Jay Cutler in this scenario. Yeah. I'm not rich enough to be a housewife, so I would not thrive on that show. Well, I don't think that you, you're not mean enough. You're not vindictive enough. You're not conniving. Am I making that? I, I think no, that- but I would stir the pot, right? I would be like, oh, Janice, really? <laughs> Didn't you just say that about Sharon? I heard it. That's what you said last week. I would be the one that just kind of pokes my head in and says, she said this. And then I'm like, you two go out. You're a shit stirrer. That's what you you do. (laughs) Not in normal life. But I think in that situation, I would be like, I'm sick of these women. Here's what she said. So you're acting, which is what I think a lot of these women are doing, right? They're not actually, that's not how they are in real life. There's no way you can be that way in real life. Uh, So I think, yeah, you would be, if you were acting in that way, then you'd be funny. But normal Michelle, no, you're way too, Midwest Michelle is way too nice for that shit. Yeah, I'd probably be so boring if I was a housewife. But I think, again, I think people would like you. Same thing, like if you were on The Bachelor, I don't think you would be good on The Bachelor. I don't think you would win The Bachelor because I don't think you would care enough about the dude. But people would like you because you're so oblivious to it. You're like, you know, I'm better than this. I don't want to do this because this is totally bullshit. This is a waste of my time. You'd be in the other room watching, I don't know, blues hockey games while they're doing the (laughs) rose ceremony. And people would love that version of you, but you wouldn't win the show. So you'd be great, but you wouldn't win. They'd be like, wait, we're missing a girl at the rose ceremony. And they're going to be like, oh, Michelle's with the production guy is watching the NFL on their yeah, phone. <laughs> she's eating nachos and watching whatever. I don't know, the, the Cardinals the Cardinals baseball game. I like that person. You... I would love you on that show, but you wouldn't win. <laughs> I would never win. I would get kicked off week one. You, however, might be the worst Bachelor in history. I cannot imagine anyone being more awkward in that scenario than you. The Bachelor or the Bachelorette? 
If I'm the, the main guy, if you had 30 women that you had to navigate through and give roses to no. and deal with their drama and watch them cry and tell you they love you after three weeks, you would be so uncomfortable. It would. I yes, I would hate the. I don't like the attention from one, two, three. If there's what? what how many are there? Thirty. There, I think there's 30 or somewhere no, around there, 20, no. 30. It's a lot of women there. I'm also not a player. You know, I think those guys, they love the attention. They like to, you know, talk with different women and feel like they're the man. That's never been my thing. I'm just not into it. So I think I would probably initially pick out one person that I would like, and I would just stick with them for the rest of the show. And it would be a really boring show. You'd have to play the game though. You can't just come into the rose ceremony and there's 30 women and you're like, only Maddie gets the rose. You have to still give the roses. You can't be like, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling it with any of you other girls. I would probably kick off half right off the bat. Be like, nope, we're not doing it. Don't not feel on the vibe. And I know you can't do that either. And then they want to keep the craziest people on the show because it's yep. good television. Those would be the first people. I can't deal with that. I don't want drama in my life. I got enough things to worry about. I'm not trying to have drama in my life of these people. So there's no way it would work out for me whatsoever. And then the other version of that would be me being on the bachelorette and being one of the 30 guys. No, I would never compete for someone's love, especially someone that you don't even really know. Plus, you know, those guys are always so sensitive, you know, and I'm not, and I don't feel like I'm that sensitive. They get so worked up. They cry, they drink a ton. It's just not me. And it wouldn't be, I would be the guy playing FIFA in the basement and be like, catch me later, guys. If you need me, I'll be, I'll be down here. But I don't even think to what we were talking about, about me ditching to watch sports and you playing FIFA. I don't think they have access to any of that. I don't even know if they have their phones then we're in trouble because I might have a mental breakdown if that's the case. <laughs> I couldn't be swept up in all this trauma for, get... what's the timetable? Is it like a couple weeks, a week? How long? I think so. I think, I mean, no it's way. gotta be a couple weeks to a month, depending on how long you're on there. But I think that's why people get so invested in it. It's because they're spending all day, every day thinking about this one person. Yeah. And they quit their jobs too. I mean, they, right. They leave yeah, their right? lives to do this thing. And you know I me, mean? I also don't pe love people that are super desperate. I feel like there are so many people on a show that are so desperate that I'm just like, ugh, kindly get out of my face. Like, this is so, ugh. So no. Again, I think I, I might be a fan favorite, but wouldn't, I wouldn't win. I actually think I might be better on that show than I think I would be initially because I would get bored and I would just start making friends with all the girls and getting the scoop on everybody. Are and they I, friends though? I thought they're, they're a like lot of them become friends afterwards. I think, well, some, some are contentious, but I would just be picking out girls that I would want to hang out with. I would be pulling out all of their stories, you know, asking them a lot of questions about themselves so that they could reveal their hands to me. And I could figure out how to use it to my advantage to gain the guy's heart. You tell me because you've seen them and I don't know, but you strike me as someone who's too normal. I think all the girls or guys that are on these shows, they've got a little something off about them. Some a lot, but some, there's always yeah. like a little something for you to be crazy enough to do that or desperate enough to do that. You have none of that. You have none of those qualities. You know, you're, you're well-rounded, you're normal, you're well-read, you're smart, you're ambitious. <laughs> you're not really, I'm doing a live dating profile on the air right now for you, but, yeah, you are. Uh, but I'm not like, I mean, she's great. I, obviously I, Michelle's the best, but I don't think you're crazy enough to do the show. I just don't think you are. So I'm watching this season of The Bachelorette. I'm behind on this week's episode, but a bunch of girls that I know watch it and they roped me into watching it. And so we only watched the one season with JoJo because we did it for yep. ESPN. We've talked with about Chad. This with Chad, that's right. And um, some of these girls are certainly a couple sandwiches short of a picnic, but a lot of them <laughs> seem like really nice girls. They actually seem pretty normal. I do think there's a thirst level there yep. that I don't identify with. A lot of them, I think, are nice girls that just want to be Instagram famous after this. But this guy, Steve, that is The Bachelor, is like the perfect guy. He's so nice. He's so sweet. He seems really compassionate. He's very hot. He's athletic. I think he's successful. He seems to have a great head on his shoulders. I'm rooting for him, Steve. I hope he finds love. Do we know how old he is? Is thirty? Is what are Let we talking? Let me find out. Stand because by. Because the guy you're describing, who's that well put together, smart. Uh, I don't know. Did, he's twenty nine. There's gotta be. Oh, okay, that's still pretty young. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say if he's in his mid thirties, I think that's kind of a red flag. Like, why is this guy still not? I don't know. Maybe there are plenty of things that can go into that. So maybe I'm totally, totally wrong on that. But the guys are almost sometimes more crazy than, than the girls too, though. Like you're right. I think the girls want to do it because they want to be Instagram famous or they want to do that whole scene. The dudes, I think, just they think so highly of themselves and they think that they're the man. They're going to go in there and they're going to alpha their way into wooing this girl. And it's just like, ugh, that's just so nothing could be more opposite than that for me. OK, we talked about this briefly last week. I think I would be the best reality show for me to be on, I think, would be Survivor. I think I could survive. Yeah, you would be good on Survivor because you're smart. 
and people would underestimate you. I'm not saying that as a negative thing for you, but you don't That's look exactly like right. the kind of person that would be awesome on a desert island, but you actually kind of would be on a desert. You know what I mean? I think you would be mm -hmm. good on that. And people would be like, oh my God, Michelle just won. What the hell happened? <laughs> this, what's going on? You'd be the ultimate underdog story. I would. I don't have to eat a lot. So I could really uh, preserve my rice bags. 75 hard on 75 the island. I now have this body that is made for endurance right? I, I can lift heavier things, <laughs> for but yeah. I would have a strategy. <laughs> this body is built for survivor now. Yeah. No, but I would have a strategy. I would cozy up to the strongest guy and I would just be like, I'm weak. Help me. I'll give you some of my rice. I'm not hungry. If you lift this hut for me or whatever. And I would make alliances with people that have strengths that are my weaknesses. And I would just make everybody think I was so incapable of anything that they would never vote me off because they would be like, if it comes down to me and her, I'm going to kick her ass. And then it's going to come down to me at the end. And I'm going to really flex what I can do. And boom, I'm the winner. I totally agree. I think this is a great fit. I think we need to make it happen. And I don't know how we need to do that. There's been like a million seasons of Survivor too. Have you ever actually watched the show? I've never even watched the show. Like at the very inception, like very beginning when that guy Richard won, but never after that. Great theme song, by the way. I still remember the theme song to Survivor, that um, that beat that they have at the beginning. I vaguely uh, I've remember it. only watched like one season. I vaguely remember it, but I think we need to try to make this happen because I think you, this would be super fun. I would be terrible on Survivor. It just, it wouldn't work out. Really? I have no survival techniques. Why? Navigation is not my best thing. I'm not really cunning. Uh... And again, I, I would just, I don't want to make alliances with people. Although, you know what? I do love playing risk and I'm probably a terrible person to play Monopoly with because I'm way too aggressive. I am hyper competitive in those situations. So maybe my competitive spirit will kick in and I'll just be this awesome guy. But I feel like I would try too hard and people would vote me off really soon. He's way too ambitious. He's kind of a dick. He's a little bit standoffish. We got to get him out of here. Okay, what are some other reality shows that we could be on? Okay, well, Team Mom, that ship has sailed. We're not going on Team Mom. Mm, um, you know my... My favorite reality show is that I would be terrible on is Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. I binge Shark Tank all the time and I would be the worst at it because I would get in there with my product. One of them would make me an offer. I would never push back. I'd be like, Damon, yes, Lori, even though I would want Mark to pick me because he's more shrewd and I think that he has the best connects overall. I would never wait for Mark. If Mark played the game with me, he would play me so hard because I would just jump at the first. I'd be like, what percentage do you want? Sure. I'm not even going to give you my valuation. Just take it. Take the deal. Put me at Home Depot. I'm with you. I think one of the things that I embarrassed my dad the most about is my inability to negotiate. Specifically, if I was buying a car, I'm taking the first. I don't want to negotiate. It's the most uncomfortable thing I think you could possibly do is try to haggle somebody down. And so if, yeah, you're right. If Lori offers me something, it's like, oh, done. I'm taking it. Sorry, we're done here. There would yeah. be no haggling. There would be no discussion. I would just take it instantly because I think I just find that really uncomfortable. But I think you, if you had a good idea that you were behind and a great presentation, I think you'd be good at that part. I could pitch it. But when it comes to the negotiation part, like you mentioned, no way. You're giving they're up 90% equity. 100%. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to be like, your product isn't a great fit for QVC. I'll be like, I'm, but that's fine. We'll go to QVC. We'll go to Lori. I don't even care. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful, you want it? Anybody. I don't even care which shark. I would just be jumping at the opportunity. I would be the worst on Shark Tank. Yeah. You have to be a business person at Hagler. Neither of us check any of those boxes. What else would be good? What about Jersey Shore? Well, my family does have Jersey roots, but I can't imagine Midwest Michelle being plopped in the GTL space with Ronnie and Sammy and Snooki and JWoww and the situation and Paulie D and Vinny. Wow, I just rattled all of those. That was impressive. So wow, your encyclopedic knowledge of, of Jersey Shore. My goodness. I can't remember anything. And somehow I just peeled off the Jersey Shore member. Dina, we're all here. Uh, what was the other girl that sucked? Angela? Angelina? Uh, Angelina, right? Angelina. Very yeah. good. Wow, very, very this good. is crazy. I haven't watched a show in years. Wow. But yeah. Okay, really what? quickly though. You, let's clarify this. Are you talking about us in our like early 20s or us now doing the show? Because me now doing the show, no way. When I was in like, a party phase, post-college, mm. young Steve feeling good, still going out on the weekends probably having too much to drink, single. I think that's a different story. Yeah, let's go early 20s when they we were at the same age bracket they were. I still don't think that we would be a good fit because of the drama. 
I was much more into drama then than I am now. I feel like 32 year old Steve is how can we make life as simple as possible and as pain free as possible. But back then I was arrogant. I was probably a dick. I was hyper competitive. So at the bar, if we're doing shots, I'm trying to keep up with everybody else. I'd probably puke on camera too. And that would be fun for everyone to watch. I actually think that young Steve would be okay. I don't think I'd be friends with it. The problem is I don't think I'd be friends with any of them. I don't, I don't have anything in common with them. I don't like them. They don't play video games. They're not really into sports. All they want to do is gym tan laundry. I don't do any of those things. Uh, but you could drink. Wait, I just looked this up and I'm dying. Do you remember when Ron cheated on Sam and Snooki and JWoww wrote the email? Can I read you the email? Fire away. <laughs> They went to the, remember they went to the internet cafe and she was typing with her lot. <laughs> yeah. It's I like remember specific times watching it. Okay, can I read you this email? Yes. <laughs> I can't even get through the first sentence. Sam, the first night at bed when you left, Ron made out with two girls and put his head between a cocktail waitress's breasts. <laughs> Hold on. Also was grinding with multiple fat women. When you oh, left man. crying at clutch. <laughs> Ron was holding hands and dancing with a female and took down her number. Multiple people in the house know, therefore, you should know the truth. Are we cool with that? The snitching there? That's iconic. That's an iconic email that was sent. It's great because I love how official they tried to make it. You know, the tone was very serious, even though it's the most ridiculous email I've ever read. I've ever heard in my life. Uh, yeah. I- I don't know. Now I look back at it, I go. JWoww don't have any loyalty to Ronnie, okay? It's hoes before bros, or I should say ovaries before broveries, because we're not hoes. We don't degrade women that way. Good call. Ovaries before broveries, right? Or is that what? Oh, wait. Ovaries before broveries? Is that what we say? I've never heard that before, but I love it. (laughs) There you go. Um, So they need to defend their girl and let her know what's up, but they can't just up and say it because then they're going to be prime targets in the house for drama. So I think the way they went about it was probably the best thing. Who was your favorite person on the show? I mean, it's hard to um, pick because I don't think I liked anyone that much, but I always kind of liked Sammy. I thought she was somewhat the most did. normal, you know? I All the dudes Pauly. sucked. And I like, liked Polly D. Uh, I get why girls would like Polly D. He's he weird so and chill, funny. a little bit mysterious. He so funny. He was like the DJ. He seemed like to be everyone's friend. He's still a DJ, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah, he makes a lot of money. Never gave it up. Good for him. Live the dream, dude. Wait, let's see what his net worth is. Oh, it's probably what, a ton. And that, what do you think it is? You tell me. Give me your guesstimation. Wow. Uh, 25 mil? I don't even know if that's too, too high or too low. 20 mil. Pretty Look close. at me. Okay, Look nice. Good we guess. know way too much about the Jersey Shore. Yeah, okay. We need to move on past this because I'm yeah. embarrassed by how much we remember about the Yeah, Jersey too much Shore. affliction and tight t-shirts and fake pants. Anyway, moving okay. on. I'll give you one more before we get to Joe Flam. I think you would thrive, you and Maddie, in a fixer-upper or property brother type situation. Well, Maddie is a realtor, so her dream is to be Joanna from Fixer Upper, which basically is an interior designer. She designs the inside of houses. She picks out houses, which ones to redo. And then Chip is kind of the grunt guy. He just knocks walls down and puts sheetrock up. I don't really have the knowledge of that stuff, but I definitely would be good at it and I'd like to do it. So I'll say yes, mostly because Maddie is the one that would want to do this. And this is her dream. But I will say this. We've actually talked about this. The real Chip and Joanna version of for my family is Maddie and my dad. Because my dad is Mr. Fix-It, and Maddie is obviously the Joanna person. So if there was actually a reality show uh, you know, with the Cerubis that was based off a concept like that, it would be Maddie and my dad. Wait, that's actually a great hook. The daughter-in-law and the father-in-law. The title of the show, Putting Down Roots with Cerutes. <laughs> we love the Cerutes thing. Now, the, <laughs> the Cerutes thing is now a theme. I don't know if I love it, but I guess it's happening. But think about it. Your home is your roots. It's your foundation. So there's got to be something with Cerutes. I like it. And actually, I do think now that you say that, the show, that's a great concept. Maybe we need to talk to your boy Andy Cohen about this. No, HGTV, hit us up. Yeah. I mean, my dad is Mr. Fix-It and... Maddie's incredible. So what's up? If you're looking for a new version, a new spin on this, because I feel like everyone does the same shows over and over again, but we've got a new spin on the new housing show. This is awesome. By the way, speaking of really quickly, could I just shout out a show that's absolutely ridiculous? I think people have done this before. What is the uh, House Hunters? Have you ever seen House Hunters? Of course. It's like a woman who is uh, runs a daycare and a, and a traveling musician and their budget for their vacation home was like three mil in Hawaii. Yeah. Unemployed. And then the dad is like a basket weaver and it's 2.5 yeah. million. How, right. It doesn't make any sense. And it annoys Another me every second. time. So I can't enjoy the show because I can't get over that concept. But you know what? I get really invested in it and I'll be like, mm, they should pick the one with the bay windows. Those will be really nice when they have coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I know. Oh man. 
Okay, well, now that we've run through reality TV shows, why don't we bring in a guy who's been on one? Living in St. Louis, we always have one eye trained to the north side. We're always peeking on Chicago and seeing what's going on in the Chicago sports scene. And since we don't have an NFL team here in St. Louis and we don't need to revisit all the trauma there, a lot of people here in St. Louis have adopted the Chicago Bears. And it's been such an emotional roller coaster for Bears fans over the past few years. And it seems as if a lot of this drama and consternation is coming to a head. So Steve and I wanted to talk about this because we find it to be very intriguing. And I was like, you know what? I know a guy. I know a guy in Chicago that has a lot of thoughts about the Bears and I think could be a really good barometer for us about the state of Bears fans right now. So Steve and I are pumped to welcome in our guest this week, Joe Flam. You probably know him from Bravo, season 15, top chef winner, chef extraordinaire, but more importantly, true blue Chicago sports fan. Joe, thanks for taking the time to join us. How you doing? So happy to be here. Back talking to you guys. How's it going? We are good. Okay, first things first. The Bears had a weird season. A lot of people didn't think that they would be a playoff team. They get to the playoffs. Mitchell Trubisky kind of teases everybody a little bit, playing good down the stretch. And then the Bears ultimately get bounced to the Saints in the first round of the playoffs. So just as a Bears fan, on a scale of 1 to 10, give us a confidence check. Where are you with this Bears team right now? Well, I mean, first of all, for all the St. Louis people who are new to being a Bears fan, I kind of, you know, I feel for them. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, when I meet people who tell me they want to be a chef or in the restaurant industry, I'm like, I'm not here to talk you into it. I'm here to tell you that if you can think about doing anything else with your life whatsoever, you should do that. And I feel the <laughs> same way about sports. If you could figure out to be a fan of any other team, you should probably do it because the Chicago Bears are just going to fucking hurt you. Um, but for me, it's like it's this season was the worst because we started off hot and it was like, you're like, I don't want to believe this and I'm believing it and it feels good and it feels right. But you're like, this is just wildly toxic. Like, why are we doing this again? And then it goes a little further. And it felt like when we were five and one and we lost, uh, we lost that first game to put us five and two. I forget who it was against. And I was like, I remember I was texting my buddy. So I was like, we might not win another game this year. And it seemed like for a while we just weren't going to. It's, I was just like, we're just not going to win another game this year. But there was a sense of peace there. It was like, okay, you know what? Like, fine. This is going to be the end of this. This is the end of Trubisky. This is the end of Nagy. This is the end of Pace. This is going to be the final nail in their coffin. Pagano's gone. This is going to be best case scenario. So then we get to the end of the year. Bears Packers for the playoffs. We're like, okay. Well, now everyone's opinion has changed because if we can beat the Packers to get in the playoffs, we belong there. Fuck Aaron Rodgers, fuck Green Bay, <laughs> we're going, you know? And I think that's like, everybody was, we were ready to be on that train. We were so in for it. And then we just get crushed per usual. And then we limp into the playoffs anyways. So it was like really just the worst. It was the worst. So then you're getting yourself all hyped up for a playoff game. You're like, hey, at least we're in the playoffs. You never know. Could, you know, everything changes in the playoffs. We get to the playoffs. Nothing changes. We get crushed by the Saints in a pitiful, pitiful game. And it's just, then the Bears organization comes out. Chuck Logano retires. They pin everything on him. And they're like, oh, yeah, the Pace and Nagy are fine. And so it's like, it just feels like worst case scenario somehow. At that point, you'd probably rather not make the playoffs than bring those guys, than bring Trubisky and Nagy and all those guys back, right? You'd rather just rip the Band-Aid off instead of letting this thing bleed out for hours. Right. I mean, it's like there's got to be a change. Like, what are we doing? It's just the shot for mediocrity. And it's like you have this defense that has nothing but talent on it, and they do nothing with it. And you're like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, eventually, these guys are going to stop playing hard because it's like, you know, they're going against three and outs. And it's like, how many times are you supposed to hold the Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers? And like, you know, you hold those guys to 21 points and it's like, you can't win that game. It's like, you're nobody. Well, because of a certain situation in Houston, you know, there might be some hope there, right, for you guys. But we'll get to that in a second. I want to ask you this, though, because, you know, Trubisky, if they give him an extension, obviously, I think Bears fans would probably be mad about that at this point. But who knows? It seems like that's the Bears way, right? He had an okay season. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll bring him back and see if we can replicate something here. But, you know, the quarterback problem has been a problem for Chicago going back forever. I mean, I love Jay Cutler, but it didn't really work out there. And then going all the way back to, you know, Jim McMahon and the 85 Bears and the Super Bowl team, there really hasn't been any great quarterback play there. 
And I don't know if you believe in karma or sports gods or any of that stuff, but do you feel like the Bears or Chicago in general and all leading up to when the Cubs actually finally broke that curse, do you feel like it's almost being held against them, the curse of having Michael Jordan for a decade and a half and having the most badass player in sports for so long in your city that you guys are now paying for that? You know, I've, I've never, I've never thought about it like that. And it's like, you know, cause it's like basketball. We don't even bring up it's like the Bulls, you know, not being that good. It's kind of like, okay, well I can live a couple more decades of them not being good because I got the nineties as a child. Nothing will ever be better than that ever. So you're like, whatever. I just, with the bears, it's like the, the conversation I was having the other day with a friend was like, when's the last time you saw a Chicago bears player on a TV commercial? Good question. And I was like, I can't, I don't even remember. I'm maybe in the nineties, Mike Singletary, maybe in the nineties, I think, which was the last Bears. That shows you the lack of star caliber people. And now there's Brian Urlacher doing uh, the hair signs all around <laughs> yeah. Chicago. I don't know if you've seen those, the Urlacher yeah, with hair thing. You got it resodded and looking good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, feel yeah. Like yeah. You, I feel like you can't go from being bald to having a full head of hair. I mean, maybe you can, if you're that confident, but that's one of those things where if you're bald, you're kind of bald for life no? And he looks great bald. I don't know why he, he did. He, he had a great ball. Right. And he was, he was like same. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine how much money they paid him to grow hair on his head? What? <laughs> I would let them grow fake hair on my head for Deshaun Watson, if that's one of the okay. questions. Oh. Like, absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and it's just like the quarterbacks have been miserable. And like Mitch, you know, we're on the Mitch bandwagon. As far as Chicago Bears quarterbacks go, he's top three Bears quarterbacks of the last 15 years, which is crazy because <laughs> he's not even, you know, he's a bottom 10 quarterback in the league of the starting 32. He might be bottom five even. It's hard to find, you know, a ton of quarterbacks that are worse than him in the NFL right now. There's a lot of good quarterbacks. They're on some bad teams, but like you watch these guys throw the ball. Like uh, your guy's homeboy from St. Louis, the backup quarterback for the Blue Hawks, uh, was oh, like bat- Taylor Heineke. What a yep. stud! Heineke comes out there, and I'm like, why is this guy better than Mitchell? <laughs> like, <laughs> why is this guy better than every quarterback on the Chicago Bears? Yeah, the backup quarterback for an XFL team outplayed Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Watching that guy play was one of the funnest games of football of the year. I have it to was. say, too. It was great. I was like, this is awesome. Like, you knew they were going to lose, but that dude was just balls up every play. And I was like, hell yes. Like, this guy is just the best. He was. See, the way that you talk about Taylor Heineke, I can hear the passion in your voice. I can hear how desperately you want to cheer for a quarterback. You want somebody to be your guy, to be the Bears guy. And it seems as if the stars could be aligning for Chicago Bears. I don't want to get your hopes up. It is a long shot. There's a lot of things that have to go right for this to happen. But we know that there is a mess down in Houston. Deshaun Watson is unhappy. He has made it very clear that he wants out and that he could potentially force a trade from the Texans. Meanwhile, up in Chicago, Bears fans are thinking, oh my gosh, Deshaun is the one that got away. He's the one that was there. They could have taken him in the draft. They didn't. If Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are coming back, is this when they make it right? Is this when they go out and they get Deshaun Watson? So have you let yourself go there yet? Have you let yourself think maybe the Bears will do what it takes and they will go out and get Deshaun? See, like, you have to understand my mindset as a Bears fan. I am like a complete and total homer. I played fantasy football one year in my life. I had the Bears quarterback, I had the Bears defense, I had all Bears players. I got absolutely destroyed. And (laughs) I've never played fantasy football ever again. So I'm all in all the time. So that the Sean Watson thing like popped him, you know, once I saw that floating around, I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing this, baby. We're going to get him. We got to get him. You know, it's like, I'm like, I start sending up DMs on Twitter, inviting them to the soft opening of the restaurant. And just come on, come on. Let me show you around Chicago. You, you'd be the man of this town. Everyone here, we're a town full of, you know, single people waiting for that one person. And Deshaun's it. You know what I mean? It's, we all just want to be in love with someone. And if you just show up here, we'll all be in love with you. That's all you need to do is be here. Except at this point, you're what? You're probably like in your late forward, mid to late forties though. I don't know if you're, you know, you're, are you as hot as you used to be? I don't know. Are you as desirable as you used to be? I don't know if the, are, do quarterbacks want to go play for the bears? I don't know. I mean, I almost feel like the bears could turn to Sean Watson, who looks like Superman sometimes into Mitchell Trubisky just because of the bears. Is there any fear in your mind that they could actually ruin him? Um, yeah. Oh, it's that thing in the back of your head of like, is all of this just a tremendous mistake? It's always the thing with quarterback. It's like the biggest thing for, for Bears fans right now with, with Trubisky is our biggest fear is this guy's going to go to New England next and win like 17 Super Bowls. And we're all just going to never be able to look at ourselves in the mirrors again. We'll just like lie to our children that Mitch Trubisky was ever here. <laughs> like, didn't he play for the Bears? We'll be like, no. 
no, it was no, we don't speak. No, of that. We don't speak that of was that was Carl Trubisky, his, his <laughs> cousin. This, Mitch wasn't. We wanted Mitch. We we, we really did. Um, but we got Carl. But it, so I think that's part of it. But I think for the right person, Chicago is an awesome fit. This is a football town. We're looking for that person, and I think. Deshaun Watson's a perfect fit because it's like that guy, the swag, the way he plays the game, he would be, you know, like the White Sox are right now with the young guys like uh, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, and just how fun they are to watch. He would be that guy that made the Bears that team from an offensive perspective where the defense is pretty fun to watch right now. They have a ton of that, but it's like the offense goes out there and every time the ball goes in the air, you're not like, oh, baby, you're like, oh, fucking baby, here we go, you know? <laughs> Well, it's funny because his college coach, Dabo Swinney, literally compared him to Michael Jordan, said he was the Michael Jordan of basically football right, before right, the draft. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, we're just connecting dots here. That's what we're trying to do. We're matchmaking is what we're doing. You know, you look at that team. It's a well-built team, you know, um, for a lot of reasons. And I think, you know, Nagy, Nagy has issues, but him getting rid of the play calling, taking that out of his hands was a huge step this year. So I would kind of like to see, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, I think he's just a bad game manager. I think calling the plays was part of that was like, he just couldn't do it all. You know what I mean? And so I could kind of give him a pass on that. Ryan Pace. I don't know. He's got to do something this off season to save his job for me in my mind is where I'm at, but I would have been fine with firing both of them too. I'm talking myself into letting them stay. You know what I mean? But that's my relationship with the bears. Oh, well, they're not going to do it again. Right. He said he was sorry. Um, so <laughs> he'll never do it again. <laughs> right, 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 right. He was just drunk and in Cabo. It didn't count. Um, so that's kind of where I am with them. Okay. Yeah. Well, we know that you want Deshaun. We know that you want him bad, but let's see how bad you really want him. Steve and I are going to come up with some weird scenarios, but we're going to test you as a Bears fan, just how far you're willing to go to get Deshaun to Chicago. Okay. 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 First things first, you're a chef. We know that the most important thing to a chef in a lot of cases is his knife. You need some good cutlery. So would you for an entire year only use a butter knife in the kitchen for Deshaun? For Deshaun, I'd make it work. I'd make it work. <laughs> I get sharp at that butter knife up, get it on the stove, get it on the sidewalk, whatever you need to do. Might not be the prettiest plate, but still, it'll still taste good, we promise you. You know what? It'd be a lot of, I'd be able to do it a lot of bigger portions and just <laughs> say that was part of the thing and that it was a new style of food. And you just, you, you just got to package it, right? You sell it. Yeah. We got a no chop policy here at the restaurant. We, don't, we just don't cut anything. Everything is whole. Yeah. It just uh, cuts down on carbon emissions. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, all okay, right. Okay. How about this one? Well, all right. Give me some background really quickly because you mentioned the White Sox. Are you a White Sox fan? Cubs fan? Sox fan. Okay. So Thank White Sox, Sox. we're Bulls. Uh, I'm, I don't know. We could throw the Chicago Fire in there, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Love if, the fire. If you guys get Deshaun Watson, would you be okay with no other team in Chicago making the playoffs as long as he's there? Would you do it for Deshaun? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm bears over everything. Because here's the thing. White Sox had a World Series in 05. You know, Cubs, uh, I hope they never make the playoffs again. I'm totally fine with that. Um, and everybody else, it's like they've had good runs, but it's like the Bears, we went to one Super Bowl that we knew we were going to get absolutely trounced in in my lifetime. We need it. So screw all the other teams. We're done. Yeah. Get them out of here. Yeah. And bottom, I, think, I, think, I think everybody in Chicago would be like, we could put that out of, out of ballot as a resolution <laughs> and it would get voted for by 99% of people. Okay. You know what? Maybe that's the galvanizing thing we need. <laughs> right? Yep. Like, right, we're two for two here. Else. Okay. All right. So you're going to do it for Deshaun. We are in a pandemic. A lot of people aren't going places. What do we do? We watch TV. We veg out. We Netflix and chill. This is what's happening in a pandemic. Would you, for the entirety of Deshaun's contract in Chicago, not watch TV other than Bears games? Would you do it for Deshaun? I can watch Bears games, though. Only Bears games? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd take that deal. Really? I'd make that work. I would make that work. Oh, yeah. If I can watch Bears games. I thought, you were gonna say, I thought you were going to say I can't watch Bears games, but he's on the Bears. Be I'd be like, no, that would be, that would be worst case scenario. But think about the dead of summer. The White Sox are killing it. You can't go anywhere. You cannot turn on the TV. What about radio, though? You can, Sox of course, game. listen to radio. Sox game on a radio is pretty good. Okay. Yes, it he's is. Got, he's got a workaround. Okay. Okay, yeah. he's doing um, it for Deshaun. 
All right, that's three for three. We gotta get tougher here, Michelle. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like now I feel like mine aren't as difficult, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I do that. I mean, I'm a, we're in desperation mode. Here. <laughs> it sounds like it. Jeez, I would do some some weird shit. Right what wouldn't now. you do? Yeah. Um. We oh, can okay. get well, at the I've end. got some weird ones up my sleeve here. Great. All right. How about that? I'm gonna stick with the food theme. You cannot eat pizza for the entire length of Deshaun's contract. Oh, I don't know if I could do that one. Oh, Ooh, you would not do it for Deshaun. I don't know if I could. I'd love to say yes, but it'd be a lie. It'd be a lie. I'd be like sneaking it. You know what I mean? Like a drug addict. I'd be like people <laughs> like sliding me, you know, pieces of pizza. Every, every, I couldn't do it. They would find you and you'd have debris of crust all over your face. Right. Like, I don't, I don't uh, know what happened. Right. I don't think I could even do it if they're like, listen, just during the season. But if they're in the off season, you can eat as much pizza as you want. But during bear season, you can't eat all our right. slice of pizza all bear season. I don't think I could do that even. So pizza I, greater than Deshaun. There you yeah. Go. I wonder, I though, if I would have... One thing in Chicago greater than bears <laughs> is pizza. I wonder, though, Joe, had Steve asked you that question right after the Bears lost to the Saints, if you would have had a different answer. You've had some time, some separation in that immediate moment. As that, as that final buzzer was going, yes. Steve would have, I'll trade you Deshaun Watson for your son straight up right now. It would have been like, <laughs> do this quick before my wife comes back. Sorry. She's <laughs> super angry. But you know what? Once if you he love grew, me, he'll do this. He would understand the sacrifice. He would understand. He would understand. Yes. Okay. We live in a technology world. People our age, we text, we DM on social media. This is what we do. Would you for an entire year not be able to text anyone, DM or email? If you wanted to communicate with someone, you had to pick up the phone and call them. Would you do it for Deshaun? Oh, that's a tough one. You're just thinking of all those people who you hate to call. Yes. You're just like, oh, be able to get them off the phone. Talk to every single purveyor at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Instead of just emailing your orders, talk to every single one of them. Like, oh, well, let me tell you about this other thing. It's, people would hate me because I'd be hanging up on people fucking <laughs> constantly. I think I'd do it. I think I'd do that, but it would, I, would, I would lose lots of people around me because I would be so over it and just hanging up on people constantly. All right, you'd do it. The friend count would go way down. Um, yeah. All right, last one here. I don't know what kind of style you're into. Obviously, you, you've already got a Bears hat on, so maybe this is a bad question for you. But how about this? During the entire time Deshaun is the Bears quarterback, you can only wear a Deshaun, a Deshaun Watson jersey. Would you do that for Deshaun? We could be talking four or five years. The only thing you can wear out in public is a Deshaun Watson jersey. So the real question is here is, would I catch a divorce for Deshaun Watson? <laughs> Fair. Yes. Kids on the table. Is the, is the relationship on the table? Who knows? Yeah, I feel like you you got to do it for him, though. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a jersey. It's fine. I, I'm going wedding, for that. We're talking like weddings. Wedding, any sort of yeah, I already gathering. got married. You're the guy in the Deshaun jersey. <laughs> it's awesome. This is an awesome flex. You know what I mean? Because they would know. It's like, this is why he's here. You see that? You see, like, it would be like the old people, like telling the little kids at the wedding. You'd be like, you see that man over there? That's a great man. And let me tell you why. It'd be a special moment. Yeah, you'd be like the Godfather. There you go. Yeah, I yeah. probably the problem would be like at some point if that's your life, then you can never take it off. You're like Ronnie Woo Woo or something. <laughs> what happens like six well, years down the line, and you like go to take it off? You're like, this is my personality now. That's actually funny because there was a kid I went to high school with who every day to school wore a Panthers jersey, like a Carolina Panthers jersey. I no, I didn't know his name. He was just Panthers kid. That's what, that's what he became. Yeah. Panthers guy. So <laughs> that could be your new thing. You could be Deshaun guy. Yeah, Deshaun guy. Who's that? Oh, that's Deshaun guy. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're like, didn't he retire 10 years ago? Yeah, no. <laughs> just let it happen. Okay, so we've learned that you would do almost anything except give up pizza for Deshaun. Yeah. Shows you where my priorities are. Well, I hope it happens for you. I know the rumors are maybe Miami or that Houston's going to try to make it work, but for you. Miami, I don't get the Miami thing. That doesn't, what is the idea there? That they would trade them to us? The Tua and the picks. They have yeah. two first round picks. So at least you have somebody to like, build you know, around to, him. To, yeah, to fit, you know, you could be the face of the franchise. You're, yeah, you're getting Deshaun, but you're getting this new exciting guy who's, you know, didn't have a great rookie year. But I don't know. I guess it'd probably be more of a selling point to the fans than anything else. See, I think like the Bears have a, a ploy of like, you could dump some complimentary defense on them where it's like you got Watt. We signed Quinn, who didn't do great here, but he's still supposed to be great. So if you sent Quinn and maybe you package in like an Eddie Jackson, you know, an ex-Pro Bowler safety in there. Um, give them like Nick Foles for the fuck of it. So they have somebody to play quarterback. You know, give us Deshaun. Don't be dicks about it. <laughs> we need to just send you into the negotiating room. 
Yeah, they should just send me down there to talk to these guys. Be like, listen. Do you know what we've endured? We need this. It's like, it's not working out here. Just let it go. Don't be that weird ex who like, well, if you're not with me, you're with no one. Let them be happy. You guys be happy. We all move on. Well, you know what, Joe? If you don't get Deshaun, and it's, again, Nagy, it's Pace, it's Trubisky for 2021, at least you have Tony LaRusso and the White Sox. I... I, don't, I still don't know how I feel about Tony LaRusso. You keep telling me he's I'm amazing. Talking. That's yeah, I, that's, our, that's our guy. It's my guy. I, like, oh, he's going to connect with the young players because he speaks Spanish. It's like, yeah, but he's also like 89 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but think about all the wisdom he has in his life. He might be the smartest baseball man walking the face of the earth right now. And you have him as the leader of your team. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I am super excited for the Sox team. I think they made a lot of moves in the offseason. I think we got some pitching now. I think they're going to be – and they were awesome to watch last year. They were super fun. And this year, you know, it was a weird year because of everything. I, I watched more baseball this year than I've watched in, you know, 10 years. It was like, you know, Sox played 60 games, and I watched 47 of them. And they were, I thought, one of the funnest teams to watch in baseball. Joe, everyone knows that you are on Top Chef. What else do you have going on so that people can find you? I'm opening a Rosemary restaurant in Chicago, Fulton Market. We're hopefully opening April 1st. Uh, So you guys should hopefully be coming up in the spring. Come eat with us. Uh, That's where I will be the foreseeable future coming up, I hope. You know what I mean? We've been working on this thing for a long time, so we're hoping springtime. We can finally, finally unveil this bad boy. It's going to be awesome. We will bring a caravan up from St. Louis. Joe is the best. Follow him on Instagram at insta.flam. And Joe, hopefully we can connect with you down the road and celebrate Deshaun to the Bears. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to happen, guys. It's just, you know, positive outlook, positive outcome. That's our 2021 slogan here. We're rolling. Positive vibes only. That's it. All right. Great to see you guys. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Guys. See ya. Later. See ya. Steve, I really hope that Bears fans land Deshaun Watson. After talking with Joe, you could just hear the desperation in his voice. I almost feel like we should have taken it up a notch. We should have asked him more aggressive things. Like, this is so disgusting. But one of the things I had on my list that I left there, I just left it on the table, was would you eat a stranger's toenails for Deshaun? I thought it was too much. But now after talking to Joe, I think he might have said yes. I think he would have said yes, too. But, I mean, where's the line when he basically was like, I, maybe my kid, I might give my kid away. So at that <laughs> point, I'm like, what is there? possible i know but i empathize with chicago sports fans yes i said it i hate chicago sports but the sports fans in chicago are diehard they love their teams and even though the cubs annoy us here in st louis everybody has a friend in chicago that has been really bummed out by the bears for many years i think back to 2007 when they were in that super bowl and how excited everybody i knew from chicago was only to get their heart broken and it hasn't been that great since it's been a long time it has but they were in a super bowl recently 2007 you know. steve yeah but okay would you ra- 10 years ago okay almost 15 years ago so would you rather be a lions fan no Thank that's you. a good point. Feel worse but for the I'm Lions. Just... You're another Midwest uh, brethren, if you will. Different, different. That's way up there. I don't have any relationship no with Detroit, okay? But I hate the Blackhawks. I hate the Cubs. I have a soft spot for the Bears. That's all I'll say. The thing that Chicago has going for it, too, is if we're doing collective uniform rankings for cities, they're up there. I mean, the Blackhawks sweater is phenomenal. The Bulls jerseys are great. Cubs hats and jerseys are great. Uh, when the Bears, I think, have pretty sick jerseys. They're, White as Sox. far as stylistically, the White Sox are cool, not my favorite, although the Sox thing is actually kind of cool in the hat. Maybe we do that. That could be something fun. Next week, we're doing it. Done and, and done. Listen, I'm going to just say this right now. I'll definitely say it again next week. But we <laughs> have to remove St. Louis from the rankings because I don't think that there's a better combo than the classic Cardinals and the beauty of a blue sweater. Uh, I'll do it though. Cause I do think it is. You're right. I actually, in my non-biased opinion, I would put St. Louis high up there. Um, the only thing was, you know, actually I think losing the Rams cause their jerseys, I thought sucked when they were there. That actually helps you guys out. No, the greatest show on turf Rams had sick jerseys where it was the yellow and that the light yellow yep. blue. Mm-hmm. Now after that, when they went gold, terrible, yeah. terrible. All right. We'll save this content for now. This is a great call. We'll save this okay. content for next okay. week. So tune into that for next week. But before we do that, Steve, before we say goodbye and head off into the weekend, let's read a review, shall we? Let's if you it. haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk, subscribe to it, rate it, preferably five stars, and leave a review. We always love hearing from you guys. How about this one, Steve? Title, Shelly's with Cats. 
five stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is great. Michelle and Saruti are interesting, open-minded people that host this phenomenal pod. I will continue to listen until you one day retire from the podcast game. However, in all caps, I have but one simple request. Please lay off the cat people. Cats are kind and loyal animals with an impeccable judge of character. You could additionally apply those characteristics to our pair of hosts on the Small Talk Pod. I encourage you both to seek out a cat lover you know well and ask them why they love their cat. I'm not asking either of you to take in a cat, but simply quit the constant bashing of those individuals <laughs> who own cats. If we're cool with plastic surgery, we're cool with cats. Okay. Great, e great email. Your great review. Uh, I have a cat. Are we forgetting about this? I have a cat. <laughs> so what, I mean, what, you're not talking about me then. I mean, I know I'm not a cat person, but I do have a cat. So I feel like I am not part of this conversation. Do we bash cats a lot too? I don't even remember us bashing cats. We did when we did make it or break it. And we talked about people who don't like dogs. And then we brought up solo cat guy. But that's not about the cat. That's about the guy. I'm okay with He's the cat. Saying, I don't hate cats. It's the but guy. He is saying, this person is saying that we should lay off cat people. No, it's a good point because, you know, we preach tolerance. We preach whatever floats your boat. What was the thing? Open-minded and uh, interesting and open-minded. Those are two things I would want to be at the top of the list that pe people describe me as. Yes, so you're right. We need to lay off the cat people. We're sorry. Again, I own a cat, so I feel like I'm not really in this discussion, <laughs> but we will learn going forward. You know, we don't bring that up enough that you're a cat <laughs> No, guy. we bring it up enough. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you got, yeah, no, you, we're good. Saruti, cat guy, noted mm. cat guy. But yes, our apologies. He's totally right. If we're down with plastic surgery, we need to be down with cats. Whatever makes you happy. So you're right. From this moment on, the judgment of the solo cat guys stops. We'll be better. We will be better. And thank you for the five-star review, even though we ripped cats. All right. Well, this was fun. Thank you again to Joe Flam. Thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back in action next week. But until then, Steve, cabs are here. Looking forward to watching the uh, Real Hoopers of Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.